Sportsnet's weekly NHL newsletter is coming to your inbox this season. Written and produced by me, NHL editor and tape-to-tape co-host Rory Boylan, Sportsnet's NHL newsletter will deliver original content you can't find anywhere else, plus all the most important news, analysis, and videos of the week. My hair is going gray turning this thing out. My pet's heads are falling off, Ryan. Please subscribe to this newsletter. Okay, two questions. If I read this newsletter... Will it tell me how to beat you in the two fantasy pools we're in together? And where do I get it? Yes, it probably will help you beat me <laughs> in anything that you play against me this year. And you can find it if you sign up now at sportsnet.ca slash newsletters. That's sportsnet.ca slash newsletters to get the most in-depth, exclusive hockey coverage delivered directly to your inbox from me, Rory Boylan. Passing ahead for Chris Letang. He'll head to the bench for the extra attacker. Here's Crosby in alone. Cuts down the left wing between the hash marks on the back end. A shot. He scores! Sidney Crosby goes top shelf on the backhand. And the Penguins score on the delay penalty to Minnesota. What a night so far for 87. It comes to the near wall. Polino down low for Hartman to Koivu. A shot. Kick save made by the right pad of Matt Murray. Got that toe out and kept it out. Now puts the glove back over it. The horn sounds. Penguins win 7-4. And it's 100 career wins for Matt Murray, the youngest goaltender in Penguins history to hit the century mark. Penns winning in St. Paul. Jake Gensel, quick passing back in the net. Three games in a row with a goal for Jake. Power play goal. Oh, you love those right there. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to complete a perfect back-to-back, defeating the Winnipeg Jets 7-2 on Sunday night here at Bell MTS Place. Welcome to Tape to Tape, powered by the Ram 1500 Sport, built exclusively for Canadians. Rory, coming off a Thanksgiving great weekend. You're stuffed, I imagine. Still stuffed? A little heavier. Still stuffed. I had some leftovers for lunch today. Well, you got it for about a week. (laughs) And we got a lot to chew on this episode. Uh, Great transition there by the uh, host. (laughs) If I do say so myself. If I do say so myself. (laughs) We got penguins. We got a little sabers. We got, we have to talk Colorado undefeated Mm -hmm. as we uh, record this podcast right now. Uh, I think we're going to touch a little bit on the Devils, who are very much not uh, undefeated. Why don't we start with Pittsburgh? They threw a couple touchdowns on the weekend, hung seven in Minnesota, and then seven more in Winnipeg. I mean, of course, this is being powered by Sidney Crosby, uh, Chris Letang off to a great start, and the backdrop, as I'm sure everyone listening knows, is the packed infirmary of Genny Malkin. Nick Bugstad, newcomer Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, everyone has them in the playoffs coming into the season. 
but I don't want to say they're teetering, but you don't feel as great as you have in previous years. Then they have these injuries. They've got a lot to go through here, and they do benefit from playing in the Metro as opposed to the Atlantic, but I would say they're showing a little something early on here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this isn't a team that you think, oh, there's a lot of depth here That's right. the Penguins organization, and now they get hit with all these injuries. I mean, I was hanging my hat on, I'm confident that they're going to make the playoffs because of Crosby and Malkin, and now it's Malkin's at least out for a month. I mean, the way that Elliot and Chris were talking about it on headlines this weekend, it might be longer, maybe substantially longer than that. It makes me rethink that fantasy trade that I talked about on last week's episode. Save that for the fantasy segment. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, without Malkin... I wouldn't have expected much from Galchenyuk, who is now also out. Today, another name got thrown onto that list. Jared McCann is going to be out with an injury. So it's just how much can this team handle, right? And then I was looking at the rookie scoring list today, and Victor Olofsson's there, and Kale McCarr's there, and then who is this... Sam Lafferty guy, where did he come from? Pennsylvania. You know, he Pennsylvania. comes from Pennsylvania. Yeah, they all do on, on that team. They'll come from Pennsylvania or American hockey yeah. or something like that. The right? checklist is you got to have played NCAA. You got to be maybe uh, sometimes slightly undersized, not always. And you got to be about 23, 24 when you make your NHL debut. Yep. That's their formula. Yep. They got lots of those guys and it's working. Yeah. And you know what? I think his greatness kind of gets um, overshadowed by his injuries a lot, but Chris Letang has been yeah. phenomenal this year too, and it's just a memory of uh, if this guy was to play 82 games, realistically he could rival Carlson and Burns. He's for in the offense, Vesna conversation right? if he plays the whole. I mean, he has been anyway sometimes, but yes, yeah. So you, you like to see that, but Minnesota's a team that I think a lot of teams are going to be looking past this year. They're, there's nothing special there. Winnipeg certainly was was impressive, but. I see this and I just think, man, this is good now and great on this team for showing this kind of character, but I don't know how long they can go on winning games if they, these injuries keep piling up, right? And and we know that Jim Rutherford has been no stranger to make trades in the past, so I'm kind of waiting for that. Well, and drop. we know what his mentality is. It's still very much, what can I do this second? We know specifically with Crosby and Malkin, as long as those guys are on the team, like they have this incentive to go, go, go for the Stanley Cup, as many of them as they possibly can, because these guys are in their 30s now, and they're in the back halves, and when they're gone... I think we all expect this team to finally go into a yeah, rebuild. It's going to be a, it's going to be a smoldering uh, crater when they finally do. But who knows how much good hockey these? I mean, I think Sidney Crosby's going to drop off anytime soon. I mean, we no. we will see. So the injuries on Pittsburgh make you a little worried about their long term future or short term future. I guess really, there's probably different reasons you're suspicious of Buffalo. We've seen this before a little bit. Uh, great winning streak. Last year, of course, and then, you know, couldn't do anything after that. It was December, you know, end up falling well short of the playoffs. Phil Housley loses his job. Ralph Kruger comes in, and let's hear from the new Buffalo coach right now to get his thoughts on what has been behind this nice little early showing for the Sabres. Well, it was quite easy to walk into the group because through my summer visits, lunches, dinners, conversations. I could feel that we had good people here in the room and it was getting everybody onto a, onto a plan that they could understand and they could buy into. And also on the personal level, we do invest time in making sure that we're connected when we're at the marina together, that when we're, when we're communicating, everybody's got a voice and that's, that's gone quite well so far. And, you know, we've got a lot of growing to do. It's a season of improvement. Every day we're going to work for that, but uh, it's the good people here in Buffalo 
right from the ownership through management and into our room that have helped to make my transition here as a head coach quite easy. Of course, the outside world has noticed that you mentioned his name already. Victor Olofsson on that top line, firing power play darts. I mean, all his goals have been coming on the power play, but my thought is if he can work on that top line with Eichel and Reinhardt, now you've got some a little more depth. Right now, Linus Olmark and Carter Hutton look good in goal. Mm -hmm. Is there some staying power here? It's possible, I suppose. I'm not buying into it. You just because won't. what was it? A 10 game winning streak last year yeah. through November. And I remember what that narrative was. Oh, maybe it's finally happening for Buffalo. And we've talked a little bit about this. And that's the trouble I'm having is they need to do this for more than the first two weeks of the season, right? And it probably needs to be more than a month because sure. they did that last year. But it is good to hear. Kruger talk about these guys buying in because we've seen it so many times in the past. The guys that they traded to Minnesota a couple of years ago talked about, you know, how how like dreary it was in that dressing room. Yeah. O'Reilly talked about losing his love for the game. And, you know, we see this a lot that you want to go into a rebuild and all this and it's as easy as getting the players. It's not as easy as that because you've got this culture and everything. So to hear the coach who we talked about the silver lining was this guy tends to get more out of his players than is is maybe there. And he's shown that in the past. So to hear him talk about this group specifically buying in and being all about what he's teaching them and wanting to get out of them, that's a really good sign for the start of the season. There are definitely going to be hiccups. You wonder if Ristolainen gets traded. Jeff Skinner's got four goals to start the season here. He is going to hit a cold streak. It's going to happen. But I am interested to see how much staying power Olofsson has because... You know, he's not going to be a 90-point player, I don't think. But if he is a, a serviceable, excellent, like Calder-winning maybe first-liner, that's a game-changer because, like you said, it, it allows you to move Skinner maybe off of that top line. It allows you to have maybe a little bit more depth than you did last year. I still worry, though, when he gets to that first trouble spot on the calendar where he's struggling a little bit, can he get out of it or do they have to move him down the lineup and then what happens at that point? It's really tough to judge this team until they hit those kind of bumps in the road. We'll see. Save the Avs for the next block. We're going all east here and pretty metro heavy because I want to talk a little bit about the New Jersey Devils who were an intriguing team coming into the season. Playoffs probably felt like a stretch, but some optimism with P.K. Subban coming in. Jack Hughes, the first overall pick, even uh, Wayne Simmons. Still got a donut in the win column right now. New Jersey's just going to be a fascinating team to watch all year because we're already invested on the Taylor Hall front. Yeah, Of course, eligible to become a UFA. Pretty much on the record saying, if I don't think it's going to happen here, I'm going to be looking somewhere Spend else. Chair and a puff of smoke. So yeah, how <laughs> soon? I mean, I guess, or do we go on Taylor Hall watch if they are go eight games in and don't have a win, which basically means you're not making the playoffs, really, yeah. right? I'm on Taylor Hall watch right now. Yeah. They have to get going, or it's going to become very obvious very quickly that he's not going to stick around because your your playoff chances are going to get smaller and smaller. And I don't think this New Jersey Devils team is going to be capable of pulling a St. Louis Blues where you're last place on January and then you even get to the playoffs. Even getting that far would be a huge challenge for this team. Jack Hughes doesn't have a point yet. 
I think the story is their goaltending has been just awful, yeah. and their special teams have been non-existent. The power play is 0 for 18. Penalty kill is just killing over half of the chances that it's giving up to the, to the opposition. Uh, the Kings are the only team that has a worse penalty kill than the Devils. So, I mean, that's it right there. You need to be good on special teams. You at least need to have a good penalty kill to be successful in today's NHL. And I was expecting a little bit more out of Corey Schneider this year. And if he happened to... He finished to last year falter, well. He finished last year very, very well. And that, that gave you the optimism that, okay, maybe he's over this hip problem. Yep. And it hasn't really played out that way. And then I thought, well, even if he does falter... Mackenzie Blackwood looks pretty good, and and one of these guys should be able to catch fire, and it hasn't happened yet. I expect that that should come. I don't think the Devils are worst team in the NHL bad. This Taylor Hall story is going to be following because I think, too, there comes a point for the GM where you don't want to push this until the trade deadline, right? You want to figure out early, okay, well, really, what are the chances that we can keep him so that you're in a position to take a really great offer when it comes and you're not just kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road and then it maybe is too late and you're taking less. We've seen that happen with how Ottawa kind of handled Mark Stone, right? Maybe they could have got more for him. Two months before the deadline. Yeah, so I'm not even thinking that this is something that could happen at the trade deadline. Like, is this something that could happen in December or January? It really depends on if things improve and and how much they improve for, for the Devils. Okay, let's talk about another UFA. Braden Holtby. And the Capitals are in an interesting spot. Really? Yes. Because Nicholas Backstrom is up. He needs a new contract. He will be a UFA come July 1. And Ovi has this year and one more left on his deal. I mean, obviously with a team that's won the Stanley Cup and been as good as Washington has been, as you would expect, they are up against it. So here comes Ilya Samsonov, who's basically the highest drafted goalie the past 10 years. He was 22nd overall. Your boy Spencer Knight, uh, the the Panthers snatched a high one. We don't really see that much anymore. Uh, They snatched him in in just this past June. So all this is to say, great pedigree, Samson. I've drafted in 2015, stays in Russia, comes over to the HL last year, but always thought to be, you know, had a pretty bright future. And lo and behold, he has two starts uh, so far, and they're both really good, and and Holtby's struggling a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Holtby's struggling. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm giving a pass to okay. a guy with a cup and a Vesper, sure. but he is. Okay. Yeah, he is. He, you know, just to state it plainly, and it's not like Holtby's been lights out guy the last couple of years. He wasn't their starter when they won the Stanley Cup. He came to the rescue and found his old game. Yep. So now if you're sitting there and you're Brian McClellan, the GM of the Capitals, These are the situations where I really want to get inside a GM's head because, you know, your options aren't keep uh, Holtby around for for one more year and see how it goes and then maybe turn the reins over. You don't get that luxury. It's commit to Holtby who's still, you know, maybe he can't go out there and demand an outrageous contract, but he's getting – someone's going to give Braden Holtby multiple years – and maybe the Capitals ultimately still feel that is in their best interest. But if you see Samsonov, who you've expected to be good for three or four years, really play well in his debut, get 35 starts. Now you're looking at a situation going, well, can we turn over the soil here and have a starter on an entry level deal and basically save five million bucks against the cap as we try to sort out all this other stuff? It's tough. It's I mean, tough. there could be a team, and there was probably only one of them last summer, that clearly 
obviously needed a goalie, so the Florida Panthers went out and threw a ton of years and a ton of money at Sergey Bobrovsky, who is also struggling, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Guarantees nothing, Who right? has the Vesnas, but not the cup. <laughs> you wonder, like, will there be a team like that that could go after Holtby? Yeah. And say the Edmonton Oilers just miss or just squeak into the playoffs and lose in the first round, and it's the goaltending that turns out to be uh, an obvious weakness for them. Hope he's from Saskatchewan. He's a Western Canadian guy. Like, would he think they wouldn't give him four years? Yeah, for sure. Um, and a ton of money. Like, would they go up around ten million dollars for a guy like that? I don't know. I mean, it's certainly possible after what just happened to Bobrovsky. But for Washington, with where they're at yeah. and all the contracts that they're already paying out, Jacob Rana also is up in two years, and he's going to get a decent little raise the way he's going. You need to find ways to save money. I don't know if you can go more than like. $7 million or so for Holtby. He's making 6.1 right now. And even that, like you said, you're going to have to sign for terms. So there's a little bit of risk. And at that point, it's like if you're going to sign Holtby for that money for four or five years or more, why do you have Samson? Yeah. And Samsonov, if you look at his numbers in the AHL from last year, just the season-long numbers, they're not going to really jump off the page at you. You're going to kind of look at them and say, well, what's the big deal with this guy? But if you look at what happened from January on, it looked like he finally kind of got settled into that North American crease. He was way better in the yeah. second half. Like, he was elite, elite, one of the top goalies in the AHL in the second half last year. And now he's got this start in the NHL. I think this is a really, really interesting. I, I don't think they trade Holtby because no, there's no. value and in then, having yeah, him for a playoff having, run, right? And having two, yeah, that's right. They needed it when they won the Stanley Cup. Absolutely. Like you said, Grubauer went in, and then Holtby came out and saved the day. So you might need that again. I wouldn't expect them to trade him. But could they lose him in free agency intentionally? That might be where this goes, unless there are some obvious holes that start to be punched in Samsonov's way. And again, we'll see. Like Teams will get tape on this guy. The second time they meet Samsonov, maybe we'll discover there's a blocker uh, catching weakness or whatever it is, five hole. Um, but right now, that's not obvious. And the guy looks like he might have some staying power. And if that's the case, we've learned that if you can save dollars, the best way to do it is in net yeah. if you can find that value. And that might just be the only way that makes sense forward for the Washington Capitals. Tough decisions when you're a GM of a hockey team. Tough decisions when you're the GM of a fantasy hockey team. We're oh going to talk a little fantasy <laughs> on the other side of the break. And we're also going to get into the abs. Everyone thought they were going to be good. And so far, everyone's right. So we will uh, see what's going on with uh, one of the hot young teams in the NHL coming up on the other side of the break on Tape to Tape. Tape to Tape is brought to you by the Canadian exclusive Ram 1500 Sport. This full-size pickup gives Canadians exceptional capability and aggressive styling from headlamp to tail lamp. I used to ride around southwestern Ontario in a Ram about 25 years ago. Rory had a job uh, working in the hay fields. That's how we got the hay bales, towing the uh, the wagon from, from A to B was the good old Ram. And I'm sure they've come up with some great stuff since 1995. That's a job for a good Canadian yeah, boy. Yeah, sure was. It was a good job for getting a sunburn if you're this Canadian. <laughs> the real statement comes from inside, where an all-black interior teams up with heated seats and steering wheel, an available largest-in-class 12-inch touchscreen media center, where you can check out all your favorite podcasts, and innovative storage solutions designed to fit your busy life. Your friends might chirp your on-ice game. Well, not my friends, because they'd all agree that I'm a stellar hockey player. But they will most certainly not chirp your road game. The Ram 1500 Sport. 
All right, welcome back. If you're listening to this podcast, I think like the two guys sitting in these chairs, there's a decent chance you were in to fantasy hockey. If that is the case, you have to check out the Sportsnet Fantasy Hockey Pool. Go to sportsnet.ca slash fantasy for a chance to win all kinds of prizes, but most importantly, a 2020 Ram 1500 Sport. Rory, we're in the same pools. You get yes. people asking you for advice as well. I can't ask you for advice because you'd be hosing yourself. Yeah. But uh, what's going on in the world of uh, people hitting you up for uh, fantasy questions? I'm usually not the go-to. And I would encourage people to go to Nick Alberga for their fantasy advice, our fantasy guy. And he'll appear on the show. Also in one of our pools, year. so we can't ask him either. We cannot ask he's, him. He's going to intentionally misguide us. Um, and actually, well, well, let's reserve judgment until we play Nick okay. in our fantasy pool. And maybe we are the guys that maybe. people should be coming to. That's but true, actually. I feel like I need to apologize to Nick Campano, who came to me on, on Twitter last week and asked me for uh, some start advice, three goalies, Corey Crawford, Pecorine, and Devin Dubnik. And just looking at the matchups, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to pick out uh, Rene and Crawford here. And then the way the night played out, I think Dubnik was the way to go on this this night. So I feel like I need to apologize to you, Nick, <laughs> if I led you astray there. Um, I understand if you never come back to me again for fantasy advice. But you know what? I did crush my brother in the Boy, first week of our Yahoo uh, pool, yeah. So I had a big comeback against our boy Sonny from the Sportsnet newsroom, and I haven't seen him yet. And full disclosure, when I joined the pool, I thought it was you, me, and Alberga. And then I find out half the newsroom's in yep. it, including yep. our, I believe, our uh, one of our nut job producers around here, as fan Drew, yes, who it. wants us to turn this whole podcast into the Avs. So we're going to give him maybe 10 <laughs> minutes today okay. just to quiet him down a little bit. Uh, but my fantasy angst comes from the Avs. How itchy does your trigger finger get on the add drop button? One, So one of our pools, you can just basically add as many players as you want. But the other one is basically one in, one out. And I'll give you my scenario here. Paul Stastny was a guy I liked, but then he wasn't between Pacioretty and Stone, so he his appeal dropped a bit. Then he was back, and I was like, all right, I gotta, if he's playing between those two guys, he's going to get some points. Who am I going to drop? And just as we're talking, my boy Sonny goes right by the window. I should have, uh, I guess I can't razz him because I didn't actually beat him. But, but we uh, nod. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, I want to pick Stastny back up, and Kadri's got one point. And I got a pretty, you know, stacked team. It's not a super, super deep league. So I was like, all right, I got to drop someone. I'm going to drop Eric Howla, who scores every game. I end up dropping Kadri the game before he has his breakout and has his three points. So I'm immediately back on the waiver wire, and they're like, you can't add him because you just dropped him. I was like, ah, what do I do here? What do I do? I think... I'm going to ride out Stastny for a while. I still feel like Stastny could, if he plays all year between Pacioretty and Stone, that's probably still an even better yeah. situation than Kadri. But this is all to say I had that immediate remorse, that immediate regret that you get when you drop someone and the next game they go out and are like, oh, actually, let me put up one, two, three on the afternoon. So Yeah, I haven't I haven't run into any of those problems yet on the ad drop, mostly because in our keeper league I've been a bonehead and forgot which day waivers ran the last two weeks, but that that's completely on me. Which is also why you maybe shouldn't come to me for fantasy <laughs> advice, by the way. But yeah, I would lean towards Stasny in that situation ah, as well. Go. You know, but the only thing for Kadri is it hasn't really happened for him at five on five so much yet. And he does play a 
big role. He has been getting time on the top power play unit there in Colorado, which should be a good unit all year. So maybe there's uh, some value there. I just think that Stasny's ceiling is going to be higher. That whole Vegas team has been unbelievable. I feel like we're going to get to them in an episode very soon. Oh, for sure. And the top two lines, if you look at their advanced stats, I mean, basically anybody they play against isn't touching the puck, it seems like. Yeah. Um, they, they can do whatever they want. I agree with you that Stasny more often than not, is going to be with those two guys. He's had chemistry with Pacioretty for Such years and years and yeah. years on the international stage, right? So that just seems to be the more comfortable thing. And we know what the top line there is in Vegas. has been together since that team landed in Vegas uh, a couple of years ago. So they're not going to move away from that, I don't think. It's too good. It's too sweet of a spot for Stasny. It's too perfect. He's got two guys on his wings that can score goals at will, that can control the puck and everything. He's going to get so many chances. Vegas is going to win that division. I think it's it's looking like they might even run away with it <laughs> at yeah. times just because of how dominant they've been. Not because you're going to take anything away from six games and say, well, it's over. But just the way they have dominated the competition, basically anybody they've played, they really stand out to me as, as, a, as a very good story early on. And if we get a Vegas-Colorado series somewhere down yeah. the line, I mean, that could be some great hockey there. Well, what about those Avs? I mean, I don't think we thought anyone was going to run away with the Central, and we're not getting ahead of ourselves. No. But Kale McCarr has been as good yep. as advertised. We all know about the top line. Philip Grubauer, yep. you know, he's been, been, great. been quality in there. Uh, they played four home games to start the year, so, uh, you know, kind of a nice way to start the year. Now they head out on the road. They racked up one W already in Washington. I mean, I think the bottom line right now is you're looking at this team and going, okay, there, you know, there really could be something here. Yeah, everything's working as it should be right now. And we were talking about Victor Olofsson earlier as maybe a Calder guy. Well, Cal McCarr's got six points in five games yeah. and he's playing nearly 20 minutes a night, right? So he's playing a significant role in that team. He's going to be in that discussion as well. You know, Kadri right now is playing with Jonas Donskoy and Andre Birakovsky. Birakovsky being the bounce back hopeful. Donskoy coming to Colorado after having great possession numbers with the Sharks, but just nowhere to go on that team. So maybe there's a little bit of chemistry still being figured out on that because both Donskoy and Birakovsky have also gotten looks on the top line. And that was part of where their fantasy value was coming from was one of them is going to be playing with Nathan McKinnon probably, so you want to get on that train. It's not happening right now. Um, but when that chemistry hits, I'm confident that Kadri and Donskoy, at least, will both put up pretty good numbers. I, I'm not as sold on Burakovsky because he has had these chances before and it just hasn't worked out for him. But their defense has been great. There was question of still, like... Is Grubauer a 50-start starter, or is he still kind of a tandem or maybe more of a backup? I, I think he looks like a starter. I've got him on one of my fantasy teams, too. I've got him in the Yahoo League, actually. They just have a lot going for them. And when you have now what looks like a little more depth from your forward lines, where last year we're talking about Carl Soderberg or Tyson Jost or Alexander Kerfoot as your second line center, and none of those guys are fantasy relevant, really. Well, now you've got Kadri who can do just about everything. So there's just more depth. And then when you have that with Nathan McKinnon, who can is a bull in a china shop, can do whatever the heck he wants whenever he wants. I don't see how they don't take a step this year. Uh, whether they win the division or not remains to be seen, but it certainly helps them that Winnipeg looks to be maybe taking a bit of a step back. Although Nashville, Nashville looks up to the task for yeah. challenging for that yeah. right now. Matt Duchesne, nice, uh, nice fit there early on. I want to circle back to Drew for a minute because every time I hang out with him yep. in the studio, I feel like it's like. 
it's a slowly evolving thing where you see another layer of his extreme fandom. Okay. Like it started back when we were doing the top 50 and he was like, so McKinnon's number one, yeah. right? Well, he's in the top five. No, McKinnon's number one. And then before this episode, he's like, well, yeah, what he said, if they win the division, uh, Sackick's got to win GM of the year for the, uh, the cadre trade. Yeah. So it was a trade drew. There was two teams. Yes. One of the teams really got a defense when they really want to, maybe they'll win their division, but that was just, it was a classic, you know, Mike drop like oh, Scott happened. It did open up an interesting discussion though. If which GM would be win GM of the year if their team won the division, yeah. And obviously, Dubas would have to be in on that because he was the guy on yeah. the other side of that trade. You wonder about a team like Edmonton, yeah. Like it's early, but they look really good right now. That Neil pickup alone might <laughs> yeah, get you that, there. That, that might do it. I'm not picking them to win the division or anything yet, but it, but it does kind of open that yeah. up and then. Carolina, another team that looks just just unreal to start the season. And G, as you know, the GM of the year discussion is always interesting because so many times it's about groundwork that was laid, yes. you know, years in advance or GMX, you know, comes to town and there's already some pieces there. It's, you almost have to get more specific with it. Like, like to me, it is almost the... I mean, the Neil pickup obviously was great, but like Eric Howla, you know, sure. the moves like that, that just in the moment you were like, that could really pay off the moves with great upside or the, you know, you should, we should almost limit the evaluation less, like it should be within the past 12 months, yeah. the moves you've made, you know, it, sometimes it's a little deceiving just the fact that team X finished on top of the standings, right? Yeah. And that's why I didn't really agree with Waddell last year sure. because that was Ron Francis's team. Ron yeah. Francis built that team. And now I think what what might end up happening actually is say Carolina does win that division and he has added everybody. He's added Halla. He's added Jake Gardner. You know, he's done a lot to improve he that team. He picked up Nita Ryder too. He picked up Nita. Yeah, sure. Midway through last season, but it's sort of like the coach of the year too sometimes, yeah. but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a layered one. The, the GM conversation. Here All we right. are. We're mid-October. Yeah, we're talking we're about awards. Out <laughs> <laughs> we get a little ahead of ourselves on the tape to tape pod sometimes. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you want to check out what Rory's doing, follow him on Twitter at Rory Boylan, myself at Dixon on sports. Make sure you're coming to sportsnet.ca for all your sporting needs. Certainly find the tape to tape pod there. We got still got some playoff baseball for a couple weeks. The raps are getting fired up, so exciting time. And of course, tons of hockey. So check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on tape to tape. <laughs>